buddy Ian Mendez is going to be back in here. First he, time in a while. so Smooth, even takes, that true, guy. So. And he brings a little ray of sunshine with him. Honestly, we like Ian. And, and a Michelob Ultra. Yeah, we like Ian a little less about that. <laughs> number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. This is Tall Can Audio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Matt Robinson coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Make sure you're following along on social media at Tall Can Audio and subscribed on your favorite podcast app. You're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, wherever you are, there's a follow button, there's a subscribe button. Go ahead and hit that. Uh, happy to be welcoming back into the studio for the first time, and it's been a bit, it's been a minute, but yeah. uh, Ian Mendes is back. What's happening, man? I'm ready to crush some Michelob Ultra. <laughs> It's like the intro said. (laughs) It's said with love. With love. Of course. Of course. And I got to bring a ray of sunshine up here. Right. Well, yeah. Someone's got to in the studio. It's all blocked out in here. It gets a little dark, right? How you been, man? Uh, Fantastic. I got to say, though, like in your intro, you say, welcome to your studios in beautiful Bytown. Mm -hmm. And you're selling Nepean short. A little. I a feel little. like you need the listeners need to know you're a Nepean. You're in the heart of Nepean. I'm right. a Barhaven guy. I consider myself Nepean. Sure. I we need to pump up Nepean. None of this Bytown. There's just something I, I find fun about Bytown, right? The historical tieback or something. To I don't know. I've always liked. The, but uh, where we are technically in Nepean, no. I don't think we're anywhere near where the original Bytown. No, truly was. It doesn't really count. Right. No, so, but all right. But so, I love it. So. I love it. I, I love being here. Love doing your show. And uh, yeah, listen. Except, so you've you've arranged some beers here. I have me. something we're calling uh, beers that we believe are are Mendez speed. Yeah, uh, which you're not are a huge craft potentially guy. non-alcoholic. Is that is that what <laughs> is that what we're saying here? We just so, we just know it's not. You're not a huge craft beer guy. But I'm not. No. So we've got a couple things lined up for you. We'll allow you to choose. Okay. Just so you, you got a, a Bose Lug Tread. Yeah. Figured, Which is know, like a lager, I guess? Yeah, it's a yep. little darker than that, but not like a stout or anything. Just a okay. little maltier, maybe. A farmer's daughter. You yeah. know, this is absolutely my speed. I've That's had a great many uh, farmer's daughter, the, uh, the white water. on Saturday. They're very on, good. Uh, you know, when and then, I'm, of course. Golf course. Yes. It's a yes. classic golf course. Uh, wait, this is the same thing. Lug tread. Oh, wait, and the Michelob Ultra. We, we did make sure that we had that yeah. taken care of, just in case. You know, <laughs> uh, you, you, now you're tugging at my heartstrings. You know the Michelob Ultra. <laughs> It's the it's the dad beer of choice. Right. Once you turn a certain age, okay. I don't know what, what it is, is 37, that, I'm 38, yeah. you just, it, it doesn't matter if you have kids or not, you just morph into dad beer. Okay. Right? That's, that's upsetting. Maybe? I'm hitting an uncomfortable birthday this year, uh, so I'm What, what, what are we hitting here? It, Lordy, Lordy, it's it's gross. Oh, right? it's, okay. So you're, no, listen, I'm 46. <laughs> I know. You, yeah. you can't run from it. No. I'm 46. It's coming, it's coming down. It's yeah. You know what? What's weird is that forty didn't. I always thought forty would hit me hard. Right. It didn't. I'm worried that in a few years fifty will. Right. But yeah. I'm sure when I get to fifty, I'll be like, ah, it's not so bad. See, I expected that when I got to thirty. I expected that to really hurt, and it wasn't so bad. Thirty-five hurt though. Like that 35. felt like you're on the back end now of like, you know, where they always say what forty is the new fifty or no, fifty is the new forty. Um, yeah, I, I had that backwards. Yeah. so that's that's rough. But like 35 kind of felt like, no, like whatever, whatever time shifting might be going on to allow you to carry on into your thirties is over at 35. So that no, one, I d- that one was hard. I, I don't think 35 is the halfway point. Okay. I think four, like <laughs> somewhere between 40 and 45, if you're on a golf course, that's what I could look. 
I can comfortably saying I'm teeing off on the tenth hole. Right. Of life. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, I think you're still. I think you're putting on eight. Yeah. Right now <laughs> is where you are. All right. I think you're putting on eight. I can take that. Yeah. You got, you got I, see, this is time. a ray of sunshine. You got time. You got the time. Sunshine. You got to finish off nine. You got to go to the clubhouse. You right. got to grab a sandwich. Right. You Probably got lots of time because I am getting a little old. There you go. Yeah. You got to. You got to use a washroom. Yeah. Right. Uh, I got two sitting here. It's early on a weekday afternoon. We may not get to both, but I uh, want to shout them both out here. The first one that I'm intending to actually drink here is called the Chalktown Stout. And like I said, early on a weekday afternoon, this is about 4.4%. So, you know, a little easier going. Uh, this is from the Kitchissippi Brewing Company, and I've enjoyed shouting them out lately. They had a thing uh, actually for our mutual friend, Steve Bunda. A couple of weeks ago, yep. they were uh, selling beers and the money that... Uh, the the profits they made on those they were giving to a, a GoFundMe that's going on for Bunda's mom who's who's been through hell uh, here over the last little bit we've talked about that on the podcast with you know losing her house to a fire and then being part of that construction company that defrauded everybody here a few weeks ago uh, so she's been through it that fundraiser from Co- uh, Kitchissippi is over but they've got a special place in my heart now the actual GoFundMe is still up that's always linked in our show notes at talkinaudio.com if you can support Bonnie in any way uh, we love Steve around here and uh, Steve is the best he's Steve awesome. is is phenomenal right. um, now wait you said Chalktown Chalk uh, yes how, like chalk spelled like C H A L K, like yeah, chalk. It's uh, I, I is don't there really something know. in this area that's called? I'm chalk assuming now? that's the case. There must be a story behind it. I didn't look it up before we got started here. That would have involved some show prep. That's hmm. a little. That's a little much. Yeah, no, that's right. And I you. spent my uh, my time making that intro for you, and and something else we got coming up here in a second. I do want to let the good listener know first, though, that uh, on Thursday morning here on the podcast, Dan Schulman from the Blue Jays broadcast team will be here, and. Uh, of course, from ESPN as well. The Jays off to a rocky start at best, but uh, no pitching. Up? No, it's it's been a little rough. Uh, as you and I sit here right now on Tuesday afternoon, we're getting ready to see Kikuchi after uh, after Barrios got knocked around a bit on Monday night. So Barrios was not good. No, uh, and I, I, you know I haven't paid attention to the Jays as much in spring training. I'll, I'll get into them probably once the NHL season sure. for me wraps up with the Senators. But man, Barrios, I did not know what to expect this year, and that that first start. It was not uh, last night was, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Dan Schulman will be here Thursday to talk about all of that. And then, uh, on good Friday, Michaela Schreider will be back. She hasn't been in for, uh, for a little bit now. So we'll, Michaela's in. Yeah. Then it's not a good Friday. It's a great it's Friday. It's a really, really great Friday. There and, uh, we'll be in the middle of, uh, of, at that point, women's world hockey championships will be underway. Yeah. In uh, Brampton this week. Yeah. Marie-Philippe yeah. Poulin on the verge of doing some. A lot of things, right? About to uh, become the longest serving captain in Canadian history. She's sitting on 99 international goals. Pretty good chance that's going to fall at I this tournament. So. Um, so we'll talk to Shrides about all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's a good looking couple days coming up on the podcast. Like I said, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. Which of the uh, the Mendez Speed beers have you chosen there? I mean, listen, I got to go Michelob Ultra. Yeah. Okay. Don't I? That's totally that fair. That is. That's fair. It's we my speed. It up there for you. It's an afternoon, you yeah. know. Totally. Totally legit. That type of thing. Look at this. You're cracking open the Chuck Town. Yep. We're getting right into there it. There we go. We got things to cover. We got things to discuss here. It's dry. It's a really dry well, state. What did you expect? The name is Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking you know it's going I, to be? That's pretty fair. Yeah. <laughs> it says, uh, it's it, in the name. That's <laughs> true. All right. You know what? Point Ian. Yeah. Um, I lost that, that, that serve, that exchange. Uh, I, we, I want to talk to you about some stuff going on around the Sens. Yeah. Um, but before we do, I am curious, you know, sometimes we, we go off the rails here a little on this show. I've been intrigued over the last couple of weeks, couple of months 
with the uprising of, uh, of AI and the idea that it's going to destroy us all if we don't get it back under control. Have you, are you a tech guy at all? Do you follow these kinds of, these kind of stories? So I am actually reading a book right now, which is phenomenal, called The Chaos Machine. Okay. And I cannot recommend this enough. It is basically a look at how uh, you know, social media in particular in the last 15 years has really altered human behavior, altered the course of elections, altered, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when it, when it comes to vaccines or, you know, your, your uh, disinformation, your belief in news. I, like, it's a fascinating book. I, I, I'm about halfway through it and I'm thinking, I think I need to delete Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. Well, Instagram Instagram's less of an offender, uh, but, but certainly Facebook and Twitter yeah. uh, as it pertains to disinformation. So this whole idea of, like, the AI thing that I've seen, like, you know, some of this stuff is wild. Yeah. Um, you know, now, now you're hearing stories of, uh, media companies in Canada talking about basically outsourcing news reading to AI. Um, and uh, wasn't it just Rogers maybe on Sportsnet? One of their executives said, "You know, we're toying with the idea of AI sports talk within the next five years." Well, you if, know, it, if you're going to do a news read mm-hmm. of that's AI, mm-hmm. on some level, I'm not saying I agree with it. On some level. I can understand it. It's no different than voice-to-print technology, mm-hmm. right? You're reading something off a computer screen. You're having it read aloud. Yep. That's totally normal. That's right. fine. Mm-hmm. When you where the slippery slope is, though, like you said, sports talk radio. That it's not. It's not designed for that. No, it's not. Yet. And that's a. <laughs> it's a dangerous. Uh, yeah, it's a dangerous road to go down. Now, some would argue it would be a major improvement on the industry. <laughs> um. I have been toying around over the last week or two with two different programs. One of them, all the cool kids have been on way ahead of me, right? I, as I said, I'm, I'm pushing up against 40. I, my thumb is a long way from the pulse of, yeah. of what society is doing. Um, but it's just this chat GPT, right? Where you can log yep. in, ask questions. You can say, write a story about this. You can say, write code to develop an app for this. Uh, you know, what's the history of such and such? You can ask it all kinds of things and it'll give you a reasonably good answer. The other one, that I've been toying with is um, there's a couple different companies doing it now, but it's it's text to speech voice cloning. So you put in some text and it will read it out in in theory in my voice, right? Obviously here in the the studio I have many hours of me yammering into a microphone. Yeah. If you can give it a clean piece of of text with a voice it will do its best to clone it and give you that voice and then you can type whatever you want, which opens up all kinds of ethical. Well, well, there's major, I mean, we are on the verge of a real ethical dilemma on just the idea of deep fakes, Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, like I I don't think we quite understand the damage that has been done to uh, really, I'm going to, I'm going to sound like I'm overstating it, but to democracy by allowing this type of technology to advance without guardrails. No, you're right. Essentially, we have allowed the internet to go as like this parallel universe that has run right next to our own, but our own universe is governed by law and rule and all sorts of- Less uh, and less so, but yeah. But but, but to some extent, (laughs) there are certain constraints on the way you act as a human being in this world. Right. On the other side, in the AI world or in the, you know, sort of the, the alternate universe, there haven't been those same- uh, parameters put in place, and now we're at the point where those two worlds are really just merging to the mm-hmm. point where now it's one world, and it's just pure chaos, and it's very, very upsetting. Like at, at me as a 
as a person who prides himself in in kind of journalism and news and information, that's the biggest issue I see moving forward is how do we as quote unquote, if you want to call it legacy or traditional mm-hmm. media, how do we you know, kind of fill, cut through that noise and present information in a truthful way right. when there's so much stuff out there that's fake? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this and, is the problem, and we can't just say like, "Look at me." Better, like harder and harder to tell the difference it, it between is. It, it what's is. real and what isn't, right? Like, it, it there, some of these software now, I haven't toyed around with it, but like, you can make videos now, and like, if you're an expert or you know what you're looking for, you can sit down and go, "Yeah, that's clearly a fake or whatever." But you're asking just the average Joe to get better and better and better at identifying when he's being, you know, faked or when this is legit. It's it's a problem. Well, for sure, exactly, and now. The idea is that it's it's going to be used in very nefarious ways, mm-hmm. right? To especially we've certainly seen it, I think, in the political realm. Yes, and it, it it's only going to get worse unless there's some significant constraints put on this type of behavior. You can't just say, "Well, the technology exists; let it let it go unchecked." Uh, right, it's, it's going to damage people. So. Knowing you were coming, I got up to some nefarious things here. Oh, in the where do we got some a deep fake of me saying yes. something? Yeah. Do you really? Yeah. So okay. I, of course, I had my own voice run through it. Okay. And um, I asked. So I've used both pieces of software. First, okay. I asked ChatGPT uh, to give me a summary of your career. Okay. In and, and then I had ChatGPT's response that it gave me. I ran it through the voice one, and I gave it your voice, which okay. doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but. You know, just for the fun. So there are two questions here that I've asked and then you answering or chat GPT answering with your voice. So on the other side, we'll yeah. critique. Oh, this is like a little drama here. Yeah. We'll critique okay. the voices and then we'll critique how accurate they were about your career. Okay. All right. Let's run through this. Please excuse me. Not at all terrifying future internet AI overlord. If it's not too much trouble, could you please prepare a short memo for me on Ian Mendez before our conversation with him on Tallcan Audio? Ian Mendez is a Canadian sports reporter who has worked for various media outlets, including TSN, Sportsnet, and currently The Athletic. He has covered a wide range of sports, including hockey, football, and basketball, and has reported on major events such as the Olympics and the World Cup. Mendez is best known for his coverage of the Ottawa Senators, the city's NHL team, and has written extensively on the team's highs and lows over the years. He is also a frequent guest on radio and television shows, providing analysis and commentary on the latest sports news and events. In addition to his reporting, Mendez is also known for his charitable work, including his involvement with the You Can Play Project, which works to promote LGBTQ plus inclusion in sports. Thank you. Just one more question. Is Ian Mendez, in fact, Bush League? As an AI language model, it is not appropriate for me to make subjective judgments about individuals. However, Based on his extensive career in sports reporting and his contributions to the industry, Ian Mendez is generally regarded as a respected and professional journalist. It is important to remember that all individuals, regardless of their profession or status, are entitled to respect and dignity. So it gave me a little lecture there on the way out. That maybe so wait, is that, that, is that mean that that's what, how I come off? It's like I'm, by the way, <laughs> everybody's entitled to some respect and dignity. Now, uh, I will give it. A, a seven and a half out of ten on the voice okay. matching. Yeah, I felt like there's a couple of words like they were saying Ottawa yes. and hockey. So this is which one I didn't problem. quite feel like it was the way I enunciate. It tells those you words. up front it isn't. It tells you up front this is best suited to an American accent. So yeah. there are some words. I was going to say like this we, is. If, I think it hit the timber of your voice yeah. pretty well. I'm going to give but it the a tip phrasing of the hat. and toning, not or the. 
yeah, some of the phrasing, right, is not the way that we as yeah. Canadians would say it. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing is weird is that, so I have never formally done uh, anything for the You Can Play project. Okay. So I don't know where that came from. Right. I mean, I, I'm very much an advocate in of what they do of, sure. in the uh, in the sports world, mm-hmm. uh, and and in particular in the hockey space. I think what uh, what they're doing is is very important. Hundred uh, percent. But but that's we- so that's all randomly generated. I just asked exactly what it read back. Please prepare a memo on Ian Mendez before I talk to him this week on, and that's what it came back with. Why that's. Okay, so I'm going to start the- doing this with all sorts of uh, people. My, I'm going to ask it what my, things of my wife, okay. colleagues, So do you think players. that was good enough that like you and I can just go sit in the dining room and let I the AI host the rest no, of the show? No, I think if we were airing this in like Topeka, Kansas, right. then yes, that could pass as me. I don't, but... I didn't think it did a very good job on my voice. I, it has me a little more high-pitched or nasally uh, you're, you're or something. You're definitely na- more nasal. Yeah, yeah. I think it got... The to- but I think you're probably like me. Like most people, we don't love to hear no. the sound of our own voices. But because we're in the business yeah, of doing podcasting, we do often uh, are often subjected to hearing our own voices. Right. Uh, just whether it's you know recording, checking things, whatever. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, that- a seven a, seven and a half out of ten. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with a slight, just leaving some room. <laughs> like they got to improve a little bit on less of an American accent. Right. And it's, I'm sure that's coming, right? It'll just lean more towards your phrasing, or you can select a dialect yeah. or something. Uh, but for right now, yeah, it, you can tell. Di- like, what, I could be Australian? Sure. Why not? Actually, I noticed before this show started, you talked to your your yes. Siri, and you've set your Siri to an Aussie accent. I have. Well, the, what's the, the backstory there? The American accent I find irritating, and um, not for everybody on Siri, I find it irritating. Yeah. Um, and I tried a couple of the other ones, the Irish one and the British one are both very thick. Yeah. And so actually the one I would have used behind Australia was actually the Indian accent was the, the one I found least objectionable it's, with how they, but it feels like it could possibly be slightly offensive. Okay. Right. Like you better use your own. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like <laughs> maybe it would be. Behind. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to get canceled for. Sure. Uh, oh God. For this. Anything. Oh so God. All I had to do there was go back last week. The athletic hockey show grabbed a couple of. I had probably about three and a half minutes of audio of you just speaking, just chatting, ran it in there, and and that's what it came out with. So okay. We, uh, give this five years. You and I won't have to be here. Five years, probably. In all seriousness, probably five months. <laughs> yeah. Probably five months. They'll be able to to improve that technology but yeah. but really and, and again not to sound too dire but <laughs> just in reading the chaos machine it is really upsetting to see the way that you know human behavior has been altered by this mm-hmm. and where we're headed is a, to an even darker place when it comes to uh disinformation right not miss like misinformation is just hey i got something wrong sure. you know disinformation is the you know intentional, intentional act of, of of misleading uh tens of thousands or in this case probably millions of people and it's 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 certainly concerning it's uh it's a bad scene for yeah. sure uh look there's a whole bunch of places we could start on the sends but i'm curious more from your perspective and and in your job what the last couple of years have been like because on top of covering the actual hockey team there's been the story you were involved with with Katie Strang about what was going on behind the scenes yeah. with the senators um we had the passing of Eugene Melnick we have now this sale um there's been an ongoing story about where the new arena may or may not yeah. end up and as someone who got into covering sports I'm curious whether there's been 
Like whether that's refreshing that there's all these other and some of those stories are pretty down. I don't mean refreshing as in everything's been great news, but does that keep the job interesting? You constantly doing something else or is there a part of you that's like, man, I'm like, I've sort of got into this to be like, you know, Drake Batherson had a two goal night last night and I want to talk to him and get some of his background and the game stories and things like that. Like what has the last couple of years been like from a journalist perspective on, on covering this team? No, it, you know what? It's a good question because I even just said to my wife, last week or a few days ago uh, because I was starting to dig into LeBreton Flats mm-hmm. and I ended up having to connect with a, uh, a professor at U Ottawa <laughs> whose uh, specialty is Aboriginal title law. Right. And I got off the phone with him because I'm trying to just kind of nail down a couple of things as it pertains to LeBreton. I said to my wife, like, how many other NHL reporters right, right now are connecting with <laughs> lawyers whose specialty is Aboriginal title yeah. claim. I'm going to say I don't think I, there's very many. I assumed today I would be covering the penalty kill, but here I am. So, <laughs> you know, when you ask me would I rather be talking about the power play or whatever, you know what? I think what the last two years have done is it's really pushed me and challenged me as a reporter mm-hmm. to understand that there are – just the way that things have unfolded in Ottawa, there has been two simultaneous things going on. One is the on-the-ice product, which is certainly trending in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And one is the the off-the-ice situation, which, again, I think is trending in the right direction. But but the two stories go hand-in-hand. And I don't think you can only focus on one of them and not understand that there's two stories going on. And so uh, at some point, it'll just be back to one story where the the on-the-ice product and the the off-the-ice product are – uh, you know, in in lockstep and, sure. and and both going in the right direction. But the last two years have been really interesting. I would say that this last season, like the season that's wrapping up now, mm-hmm. uh, has probably been my most enjoyable season to cover this team in, gosh, I want to say f- five, six, seven years, whatever it is. Like, yeah, maybe that, probably that run to the Eastern Conference sure. Final was a lot of fun to watch the fan base get excited about that. The Hamburglar run, actually the Hamburglar run was probably my favorite season to cover in the last 10 years. So, th- but, but this one would be pretty darn close because I think what I was able to see this year was tangible signs of excitement within the fan base. And that's not just at the box office uh, or not just with my own eyes. It's just you can feel it. Right. And uh, people are tired of the negativity. They're tired of the talking about the past. And um, I, think we've, I think we've done a pretty good job of putting a lot of that stuff to rest and to bed. And I think there's good days ahead. But, but certainly... I think you had to shine a light on some of the, the sure. bad stuff in the last couple of years in order to appreciate where we are now. I think if you had just sort of tried to wash over this like it didn't really happen uh, under the previous regime, I don't think you're doing anybody favors. Like you have to you have to lean into what happened. You have mm-hmm. to understand why it happened and you have to everybody has to make a commitment that that will never happen again. Right. And it it was really challenging for sure. Like the 2019, 2021 into 2022 for me were not fun years to cover this team, but this last year has been, it's been a lot of fun and it's kind of back to, for the most part, outside of the odd, uh, uh, you know, first nations land claim that I'm looking at. It's back to, to covering hockey and uh, covering the things on the ice. It's interesting because you can see it like, obviously, I'm here in the market, I follow a bunch of people, I'm talking to a lot of Ottawa media types, but I'm sort of, you know, actively rooting against the Senators just as a fan, right? I'm a Leaf guy, you don't have to look far around this room to be right. able to, to figure all that out. But it is, just from an you know an observer's standpoint, even a place as dark and negative as Twitter has largely seemed, I don't want to say better than it has in previous years, but for a long time fans had legit 
beefs, right? Le- legit complaints. And I think there was a hope this year that maybe if everything went correctly, they could sneak into the playoffs. But ultimately, the more realistic situation was that they played meaningful games down the stretch. Would you? There's been times where they've been what within three, five points. Three, in the last I, three points was the closest they've been right. in the last uh, in the last couple of months. Do you believe the fan base then is would would suggest and and that's meaningful games? How late did it have to happen? How close did you have to get? Has this been a success? I would say yes, with the caveat of now what what they've done by having this season is they have firmly. Mm-hmm created the expectations that they have to be a playoff team next year. No None of this. Starts. I don't want to no hear yeah. meaningful games. Right. I don't want to hear that phrase. That phrase got overly used as it was <laughs> in the marketplace this year. Yes. It's time to get rid of that phrase, understand that they did take a step forward this year. And and, and look, there, there, there's and I'm sure there's Leafs fans or fans of other teams that are like, oh, way to go. You took a step and you didn't even make the playoffs. Whatever. Yeah. We're not we're not here to judge the Ottawa Senators against the Maple Leafs or the sure. Lightning or the Bruins right now. Yeah. We're here to judge them against themselves. Mm-hmm. And within that context, they unequivocally took a step forward this year. We can debate how big of a step. Was it a quantum leap forward? No, but it was a large step forward. They're going to end up in the neighborhood of 85 points this year. Right. Um, to me, when you can – so year over year, it's a 12-point improvement. Okay? Yep. That's that's not bad. Nope. It's not bad at all. No. Nope. And you've taken yourself, I think what was really nice for the fan base was this year, if I wish there was a way to like geo track how often people use the Tankathon website. <laughs> okay? Because I can guarantee you in Chicago and Columbus yes. yep. and Montreal and Anaheim and Arizona and maybe a little bit in Philly, mm-hmm. they were they were on Tankathon. And that's where we've been. The last five years. We would go to it. It was probably It was a segment on the morning show on the local radio station. And I'll be really honest. I think this year I went to Tankathon two or three times. One time was simply just to look up because Tankathon's great. It actually, it lays out the draft lottery odds for all the spots. So even if you end up 12th or 13th, it kind of get like, what are your odds of jumping up? Yeah. So that, and I did spin it once when they were... I think they had the 11th worst record in the league, so they had a shot to right. jump up. Yes. And they didn't win the lottery. And, but yeah. that's it. And you have to understand where this fan base has been the last five years. We're not demanding. We Nobody was demanding the playoffs this year. We were demanding a step forward. They took it. But now we're, now we're going to turn around as a group of media I don't know and if fans. nobody was there was an awful lot of hype coming out of last I, summer. I think though if you like okay team, so I I think if you went back is better than other uh, I, I think if you went back and you looked at my reporting at the beginning well, of the year I'm not necessarily I, suggesting you No no but, but uh, I I think <laughs> I said most Ottawa fans would be satisfied if they were in the playoff race down the stretch mm-hmm. and finished the season in between 85 and 90 points. Okay. Okay, that yeah. was my expectation for the team this year. Yeah, Go, I wrote that in October. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't write it no, now. No, that's I wrote, right. I think through that lens, they're going to have met that. So, like me personally, I think this was a successful year on the ice for this team, off the ice. What's a little bit vexing though is you look at some of the teams that are likely going to make it, be it Florida, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, to some extent the Islanders. You look at Ottawa's roster and you say, you know what? Why? Why couldn't that have been us? Yeah. 
That's that's going to be a little bit. There were some birds there ripe for the picking, right? Uh, Washington falls out. Pittsburgh hasn't been very good, right? right? Like there were opportunities. It, to... it, it was sitting there, and it, this isn't a year where you needed a hundred points to make the playoffs. Yeah. You're likely your cutoff is probably going to be ninety three mm-hmm. this year in the East. That that would have been attainable had you not submarined your chances with a. A flat October, uh, November, where I think they only won four or fourteen games. Right. They had a couple of uh, you know speed wobbles here in March. Um, so I think the good news is big picture. I absolutely think this was a good year. Like when I write the post mortem of this team mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks, it will be largely. Po- I think it'll be largely positive, but there's going to be a distinct eye on. I personally will ratchet up the pressure on this group. Right. Like, I'm not going to be sitting by and say, like, oh, well, let's hope you play meaningful games. It's you darn well better make the playoffs yeah. next year. Or somebody, and I'm not saying somebody shouldn't already pay the price because there, there, there could be changes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That's, that's well out of my control. All I'm saying is if you don't make the playoffs next year, there should be some people accountable for that. Yeah, it's funny. I've talked about this a couple times before on the show. Last summer, I was with just about everybody who thought, you know, Hot Pierce Summer was a good, good, good couple weeks of work that he did, right? To bring in, to bring it in, to bring in Giroux. Um, I never, and you can go back, you can hear this on the podcast, but I I didn't really understand the Talbot trade. Like, I didn't think that was a significant step forward, but I understood the idea of getting a veteran in here, if nothing else. Of course, Gustafson then goes out and... It's a pretty good season in in Minnesota. But the one thing that I said a couple times, and I felt like I can't keep hitting this drum too hard because I come with with some bias, right? But I said 30 points is a lot to make up. And that's what it was last year. They finished 30 points out. Yeah, 27 to be exact. Uh, But but, but yeah, basically a 30-point gap. And so I said it a couple times. I do try very hard on the show to be objective when it's time to be, I'll poke fun, I'll, all these yep. sorts of things. But when it's time to say, here's what I think is going to happen, uh, you know, you, you try and be legit about it. But I thought it was a huge amount of ground to make up. Now, I assumed Boston would fall back instead of leap forward. Yeah. Um, I instead thought, of morphing into the 1977 right, exactly. Montreal Canadiens. Um, yeah. So I did think the field would come back to Ottawa a little bit, but there was still going to be a huge gap to make up. Now, as you've pointed out, it looks like they're going to finish about 12 points ahead of where they did last year. That's a significant step. You factor in how much time, like they could not afford to lose Josh Norris. And that's, every team has injuries, all that stuff, no excuses, but that's a huge piece to be without for such a, you know, big part of the season. I going into this off season, we'll see what happens. Um, and what moves they might make and how this all comes together. I do think, and I guess the other thing I was pumping the brakes on was, can we dis- can we see Josh uh, Sanderson play a game? I'm, you mean Jake Sanderson? Jake Sanderson. I, I, I'd like to see this fictitious Josh Sanderson He's awesome. play a game. He's going to be awesome. Yeah. Can we see Jake Sanderson play a game before we anoint him the next Norris Trophy winner? Now, he has come in and was everything the hype said he would be. He's had a fantastic season. So you start to factor some of these things in together. They go out and get Jake Chikrin. If they have a reasonable offseason, I'm far more comfortable this offseason saying, yeah, there's a good chance as long as they don't bury themselves with that terrible start again, they'll be fine, right? I think they will be in the mix. And, you know, people keep taking steps. There's guys there that are, are making moves forward. I just thought last season... It was such a huge gap, and I understood the fan base was fired up and excited, and and what an offseason. Look at these names. It was still, I think, 
a lot further to go than some people gave that gap credit for. But uh, in saying that, uh, and I don't, I'd have to look up the uh, the article. But I wrote an article last summer: Can the Ottawa Senators overcome? a 27-point gap in the standings. Yeah. And realistically, you're not truly looking at a 27-point gap. It's probably more like 20 because, okay. like I said, someone's going to regress. You're mm-hmm. going to move up. It's not, you know. And the Panthers did. The Penguins Panthers did. did. The Capitals did. did. Yeah. The the Penguins did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, they, they were there for the taking, so to speak. And I think, you know, I, I look at this and, and think, okay, well, but New Jersey took that step yes. this year. Yep. And remember, last summer, when they got Dougie Hamilton and they went out and did a lot of things, we thought, well, New Jersey was going to take that. They didn't. It was a, uh, an extra year. It's true, yeah. So, you know, there's a little bit they of... They were sewered by using like seven goalies. Or yeah. And guess what Ottawa is, yeah, is okay. now... Yeah, yeah. They could, on Tuesday night, when yeah. they play the Carolina Hurricanes, they're going to have Levi Marilainen start. Yeah. If Levi Marilainen wins a game, be it Tuesday night or whenever, mm-hmm. the Ottawa Senators will tie an NHL single season record for most goalies... In one season, winning a game, which would be seven, which is insane. It's, Se- it's remarkable. Not seven goalies to play, man. not seven goalies yeah. to face a shot, seven goalies to win a game. Right. So I think the feeling now in Ottawa, if you la- last summer, if you talk to Ottawa fans, they would tell you, "My, yeah, I love, I love the Brinket, mm-hmm. I love Giroux, mm-hmm. but bah, I kind of feel like we needed a top four D." That, that most Ottawa yep. fans would have told you that. Yep. They added that guy late in the year in Jake Chikrin. Yep. If you go to Ottawa fans right now. And it's it's the middle of April or whatever, and you're starting to look at it next year. You ask them what's the one thing in your bucket list? It's goaltending. Right. It's it's not even close. Like it's 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 goaltending. Mm-hmm. And they just simply have not had what consistent- if Gustafson's available. Yeah. <laughs> See, and 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 this is the frustrating Sorry, that's the thing I do. <laughs> well, and that's that's the frustrating thing is you had a guy there who when you traded for him at the time, you thought he potentially mm-hmm. was going to be your, your goalie of the future. Now it didn't we we can have a great debate. Would Philip Gustafson have put those numbers together in Ottawa right. this year? I it's a fool's game. We don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know the answer to and that. It's a different team, right? Different, different team, staff, different structure, maybe a different, different, different coach. Who said, "Hey, try everything this, is do different. That, right? Everything is different." It's like because of Banajad. If mm-hmm. Ottawa doesn't trade because of Banajad, does he blossom into a forty goal scorer here? Maybe, right? But we, we don't know for certain. No. Nope. All we can say is, in hindsight, these were lopsided trades. Not in Ottawa's favor, yeah. right? That that yep. that's fair to say. And so this summer, the number one priority in Ottawa will be getting a goaltender who they feel like can play them fifty games next year. Right? Who is it? Have you started the, digging around? What names might be the, out there? the free agent carousel is pretty thin. Yeah, like Tristan Jari might be the the best available goalie. Yeah. Um, I'm not sold on committing to that any kind right. of term, right? Like, so there's Jari. There's uh, Anyway, it's it's not a great list. It's no. it's yeah, but it's going to be the issue for Ottawa. You mentioned Zbigniewicz there just before we move off. Do we every year we do a couple different lists? One just came out from the PA, and it's it's Barkov is the most underrated player in the league. Like he's the most underreported on player in the league. Yeah, I think we're done with the idea that he's the most. I think Mika Zbigniewicz might have a shot at that title though, and he's in New York City. Like if there yeah. was a chance to get attention, he has that chance, and we still don't talk about him. And he's had a couple great seasons now. Well, I think part of the issue for Zbigniewicz is just when you look at his own team. Mm-hmm. When you think of the New York Rangers, you probably you may think Shesterkin one. Yes. You may think Adam Fox two. Yeah. You may think Artemi Panarin, Panarin. three. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, there's Isn't a that chance the point? we're underrated that Mika Zbigniewicz may not be the first name that pops to mind. Yeah. For you. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I think he's an underrated player uh, who, 
boy, he's a he, he blossomed into everything you'd ever want a number one yeah. centerman to be. Right. Um, I'm curious right now the vibe around the team. Fans are waiting to see what the what this is going to look like in terms of the sale, right? Yeah. And there's there's been ownership groups in and out. The commissioner was here. Um, he didn't say much. He never says too much. Uh, he talks a lot. You, you need to do the AI of Gary Bettman. And then just get him to that say a bunch of things. That would get me in a lot of trouble because yeah. I, I <laughs> the things I might have Gary yeah. say here. I texted our friend Lloydie before he was going to interview him. I said, I got a couple questions, Lloydie. Hit him with And he's like, yeah, I'm probably not going to yeah. do that. So um, look, he comes into town and, and he's it's in the league's interest to really prop this up. It doesn't look like that's going to be a problem. There's enough bidding groups out there. I wonder as you kind of have followed this through, you look at the people involved. What is most important right now to Gary and and the league? Is it continuing to push franchise values up? And this is already going to be, I think, a more uh, lucrative sale than I expected, right? This is already going to come in higher than I would have suspected. But is it push it up, push it up, push it up because that's good for the whole league? Or do you think there's an argument to be made out there and that they would be prepared to hear it that sometimes take a slightly less offer or likes um, lower money offer for what you believe to be a better group. Do you think they would entertain that? I, I think they would, but I think they could probably get away with both things here. I think there's enough interest in this that they can get to the number that they want, which I think will end up being north of 900 million. I really Sounds do. like it, yeah. And, and I think they can probably end up with the group that they want and and part of that, I think, at this point of the game, it would be ridiculously disappointing for this market, I think the league in general, if Ryan Reynolds is not yeah. in a significant role. Like, like there's no like you can't sell me. And I look, I'm very familiar with the groups that are on the table. Mm-hmm. Like very familiar with them. Right. Um, do I think all of them could have their own unique skill set and make this a great uh, you know, place to to own a hockey team? Of mm-hmm. course. But there's one group that's a little bit different, or at least one candidate that's different. That's Ryan Reynolds, and and he he brings a factor in to Ottawa that I don't like. I think this is what it's almost like what we're missing as a city. Well, were you surprised that he tied himself I did, to I was. one group? I, I, was, I was. I was until I understood why he might have done that, which is simply you know align yourself with a group that allows you to probably have the most amount of like I think if if they win this bid. Ryan Reynolds is going to basically have almost carte blanche with the hockey team. Right. That's that's my feeling wow. on this. Uh, and, and not to say that he's going to be involved <laughs> <Yeah>. in hockey <laughs> decisions, but I sure. think from a business perspective and a marketing he perspective. He could be Shanahan down in Toronto. Yeah, or, and, and, but no, but even even greater than that, he he will be the Larry Tannenbaum. Oh, okay. He will be the, True enough, the guy. True enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know? Ownership, um, yeah. And, and I think there's something deeply appealing to us in Ottawa about that because if you think about the psyche of us as a city – uh, we we wrestle with the fact that you know geographically we're in between Toronto and Montreal. Mm-hmm. We wrestle with the fact that we're in between two original six franchises. We are always viewed as the little sibling at the table, <laughs> and we're never going to get over that because, quite frankly, the Maple Leafs and the Habs had like a seventy year head start. So we're never going to get a seat at that table. What we can do in Ottawa, and I'm I'm speaking we meaning like Ryan Reynolds, sure. is you can say. Um, we don't actually have to be at your table. No, we're at the cool kids. We're going to be at the cool kids table. Yeah, and over here is 
why it doesn't matter what to, like I stodgy think, old stuffy old Toronto and Montreal exactly we got Ryan Reynolds we're doing cool shit over and there. and we can we can step away from the shadow and we don't I think for a lot of Ottawa fans they feel this sense of you know anger I don't want to hear anything about Toronto or you know what at some point as a as a city or as a fan base we need to say enough you know what those 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 four playoff losses the Leafs they don't bother me anymore. <laughs> All of it doesn't bother me. Nothing. Like, no. whatever. Yeah. Go on. Go on and live your lives. We're over there, <laughs> and we'll live our lives over here. And we know that our city is probably a lot better to live in. Uh, and, 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 and being a Senators fan is inherently more fun than being a Leafs fan. It is. Like, being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan comes with excessive weight. And baggage does it, Ian? I had no idea. Yeah, and 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 I think that we got to as a as a city in Ottawa, we got to lean you know, into the it's fact. It's always felt so good. I you know, had no idea. Don't, don't don't you know? Instead of being intimidated by the historical differences between the two, lean into the fact that guess what? We don't have to carry the baggage. Right. That's the beauty of being a, a somewhat of an upstart young sure. yeah. franchise that's thirty years old. We don't have we don't have the history, and and the, and I think it's time for Ottawa to also lean into the fact that. Some of their history has been really good and really colorful, mm-hmm. and and they've made the playoffs a bunch of years, and they've gone to the Stanley Cup final, and they've had the Hamburglar run, and they've had Carlson, and they've had a Hall of Famer in Alfredson. They've, there's there's so much to celebrate about this franchise. It's time to just celebrate it, to me. Yeah, and I think that's what Reynolds would probably do. Yeah, I wonder sometimes if the expectation, like I certainly felt like. Ryan Reynolds had sort of had a meeting with the league. Just wait. We'll sort this out. And then you can step in with an investment of some kind and kind of be the public face of it. And I I don't know whether Gary would have been surprised like we were that he went, yeah, no, I'm going to tie myself to this group. Yeah. But it does sort of feel like even if that group doesn't come through, they'll find a way to pluck him out of there and say, I I understood you wanted to to do that. But, you know, do you still want to be a part of this? On... Probably on his terms. So now you yeah. got to go to another ownership group that's Talk going to be into... uh, willing to let him have the type of Public voice facing, yeah. and influence. Yeah. And again, I'll say this though, right? very like, clearly. If you're a potential owner of the Ottawa Senators and Ryan Reynolds is publicly saying he wants to be part of this, it behooves you as an owner to make so. it happen. Yes. Like there's nobody else that you can the only other person I think you can bring in that has some clout is, is Daniel Alfredson. Yes. Alfredson's the only other guy that I think Is he, to your understanding, tied to a group? No. No. No, he's not. And I think he's just sitting in the side. Like, to me, the ideal scenario in Ottawa is you get Reynolds and Alfredson working in tandem. Reynolds runs the business side. Alfredson runs the hockey operations side. They're in lockstep. They have, I think they would have the same vision of the way they view Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Enough of this comparing to Toronto. Enough of this comparing to Montreal. We are Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know. Like, there would be so much trust. Like, I, I don't even know how to th- to explain this. Oh, but the whiplash. Out front but, on a but, press but, but think about this. The whiplash you would have as a Senators fan <laughs> going from the old owner and then you look up at a podium and there's Daniel Alfredson, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Feels pretty good. That's whiplash. Yeah. That, that's a 180, the likes of which I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure that we've ever seen in professional sports. I just want to slide this in here quickly. I'm mainly because it fits here. Uh, I'm about to have uh, a beer from the Nita Beer Company, longtime friends of the show. And they have a, this one is called the uh, Cockadoodle Brew. It's a coffee lager. 
little uh, coffee blonde, actually. But they, at one point, uh, had produced um, Andy's father's name was Hans, put out a logger. Uh, Alfie's father's name was Hans. And so at some point, they were at some kind of community event together and and our friend Andy there over at the Need a Beer Company was trying hard to get selfies with uh, with Alfie holding the beer. And he was a good sport, played along, right? But uh, I think it was a pretty so, thin branch to step out well, on together. So it's, in fact, it wasn't even a branch because Alfie's dad's name is not Hans. Okay. Well, then that's a problem. That's a problem. It's Hase. H-A-S-S-E. Okay. Hase. So maybe that maybe that's why Alfie was not... Alfie may have been a little reluctant. He's like, hey, this beer is named after your dad. He's like... Yeah, I guess. It's not. It's not. <laughs> to your knowledge. There you go. Does Alfie know anyone named Hans? <laughs> well, I think I think if you grow Probably up somewhere. in Scandinavia, there's like well, a there's 30% chance that somebody in your inner circle is named Hans. Okay. Well, right? uh, Andy does have a selfie with Alfie looking somewhat uh, somewhat perplexed about the whole situation. There you go. That, that's so the now we know why. why. Now there we know go. why. Yeah, to me, it would be wild to suddenly have this thing turn on a dime Hey, we got big financial backing. We got a new arena coming, and we have Ryan Reynolds and Daniel Alfredson out front. Do you think all of those things, at the end of the day, will end up on the table for Sens fans? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I I think needs to be crystallized for a lot of people, whether it's Toronto fans or people from outside of Ottawa who don't quite understand this market and don't, you know, Ottawa has been low hanging fruit for a long time when it comes to attendance and the, you know, all that stuff. What people need to understand is this was never an issue about this is a viable NHL market. What this what happened here is a textbook case study in how an ownership group can demolish every single relationship that matters with politicians, with sponsors, with charities, Vendors. with media, with players, mm. with coaches, with executives. Like 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 let me put it this way, there would have been one point last year or two years ago, if the Senators put out a press release saying uh, they have cut ties with Spartacat, <laughs> you would have been like, ah, I, sure they did. that guy, well, you know what? It kind of makes sense. <laughs> like, it, like it, it, it reached a point. And having a professional sports team, like whoever it is, whether it's Ryan Reynolds in the Remington Group or the Andlowers or the Kimmels or Nico Sparks, whoever comes in and buys this team, you need to understand you own the team in paper only. The ownership of a professional sports team really rests in the hearts and the minds and the souls of the community that surrounds it. Mm -hmm. And once you play around with that relationship, all is lost. All bets are off. When you when you take that relationship for granted, you don't respect that relationship, you lose it. And that's what we saw here. Right. It, that that I, I don't think the previous owner quite understood. That he he may have been the owner in name, right? But he wasn't the owner of the soul of the team. Well, the team's worth nothing if no one cares about it, and that's just <laughs> it. Like you have to build that relationship with the community, and the, and you have to just you have to treat that with so much respect. Like you have to put that you have to put so much emphasis on the relationship with your audience, yeah, that it trumps everything else. And 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 when you don't do that, and you put your own needs ahead of. Uh, that relationship, all bets are off. And you're going to kind of uh, essentially uh, distance yourself from the fans. And, 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 and when you're asking people to invest their, their money and mm -hmm. their time and their passion into your product, when you don't show them that respect back, 
It's all about that. It's under like just respect your fans and respect your marketplace. That's it's the easiest advice I can give to whoever's coming in as owner. Is there? It feels to me a lot like where this team is going to play isn't still as in question as it feels like. It feels like there's a lot of posturing here. We don't have to go to the spot that that we want. Like it kind of feels to me, and maybe it's just because we've talked about it so long. Ian, you're closer to this thing, obviously, than I am. You've talked to more yeah. people. It still feels like LeBreton. As close to downtown as it is, the fact that they spent all that money, the city and whatever, to build a light rail station there, all of these things seem to factor into me to say, this has to go to LeBret. And I, if I was a possible owner, if I was, I might say, yeah, there's other parcels of land. How realistic is it that this goes somewhere else? So I wrote in December that there's a there were a couple of other parcels of land that I had spoken to people who are very well connected to this situation. Mm-hmm. And they told me, hey, this parcel, this parcel, don't sleep on it. Okay. I reported that in December. So one of the those is over of, at Lee's, right? Well, yeah, one is, uh, yeah, 417 at Lee's. Lee's. Another is kind of- uh, By the ballpark? Uh, there's ballpark, the yeah. RCMP, the old yeah, RCMP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's uh, uh, Bayview. Anyway, there, there's okay. a bunch of okay. possible spots. But I was told, keep an eye on a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote that in December, everybody was like, what the hell are you smoking? <laughs> what are you smoking? And guess what? Guess what's happened in the last yeah. three months? And these, and, and, and I'm not, ta- I want to make this very clear. When I say I put that out in December, that's not me saying, look at me. I'm smarter than no. everybody else. That's me saying, these are, anytime you talk to people who are smarter than you, which are you know often sources in these types of situations. Sure. You understand that they have the vision and the foresight in December to tell me this is not a done deal. And guess what? Gary Bettman rolled into Ottawa on Monday. Perhaps his biggest takeaway message was a downtown arena is no longer considered the most um, – something that is, is is critical to the viability of the long-term success right. of this team. Now, is that potential posturing? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. You have to take everything people say around – yeah, arenas. A lot of money still up for graphs here. So a lot of exactly take it with a grain of salt. But I like if you're asking me to put a realistic percentage on where the next arena is, I would not go higher than fifty percent at LeBreton. Okay, that's how I feel. Yeah, and that's again, that's not me speaking as an individual. That's me speaking to you as somebody who's spoken to. Sure, I will say about a dozen people in very high-ranking positions, either with potential ownership groups, with the senators, formerly with the senators, real estate developers, politicians, uh, people that just know a lot more than me. And they're like, just don't marry yourself to LeBreton. <laughs> There's more red tape there than than you may realize. I, I remember talking and again, just to my old man, but he spent his entire life in, in civil construction, right? And I remember telling him, he, he's, he follows hockey, but he's not a nerd for it like we are, right? And I remember talking to him about LeBreton and, and throwing out, and I don't even remember it off the top of my head now, what the number of acreage was there. He kind of went, I don't know, I guess, right? And immediately there, I was kind of like, and I understand it was going to be more, and then the first deal fell through, yeah. and they have to then carry on with what they're doing, and now here's what we got left for you, all these sorts of things. But it still stayed in my head that, yeah, maybe if you're in this for a, as much a real estate play, like some of these ownership groups clearly are, then maybe LeBreton isn't all that appealing. Well, it, but 
Sorry, go ahead. No, exactly. And and, and one thing that's been uh, really made clear to me too in the process is that even if they give you more land at Le Breton, Mm -hmm. let's say they go back to the original plan from 2016. They're like, you know what? Here's the 30 acres we talked about. You can have it. Mm -hmm. It's actually not your land. Now you're leasing it. So the idea, like for the people who say this is a real estate play, when I talk to really people in the real estate industry mm-hmm. in Ottawa. And I'm not talking about, I didn't go to some real estate agent. I'm talking about <laughs> these are uh, the biggest builders in the city. Yes. Yeah, And I asked them, do you see this as a real estate play? And they're like, not if we're releasing the land. No, no. It's not a real estate play. Yeah. So that's what opens your mind to other sites. Like if you, if you want to make it a real estate play and build up the value of the real estate, it has to be because you own the land, not because you lease it. Yeah. So, you know, last thing on this then, as we kind of look forward and move forward, there's been a couple timelines that have sort of come and gone. Nothing was ever made official, but it seems like this is taking a little longer to play out than maybe some would have thought or hoped. Uh, As you look forward, not all the dotting of the I's and crossing of the T's, but what is your sort of assessment of when we might find out yeah, it's going to be these people. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a conditional sale by the end of this month. Okay. I really wouldn't be. Like, I think the way it's going to work right now, from what I gather from speaking to some people close to the situation last week, is this week all the groups are kind of going back to their, you know, wherever they live, their sure. place of residence, headquarters, whatever. They're going to really kind of bat this thing around. What did, what did we see in Ottawa last week? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we like what we see? Was there any red flags and conversations, whatever? Then they got to submit a binding bid. And right. this is really important. Best final offer. Final. This isn't a let's dip our toe in the water and see what people think. This is a uh, we're going to, you know, for lack of a better term, we're going to slide a piece of paper across the <laughs> desk to Gary Bettman. Yeah. He's going to look at it. And if, and if he likes that number, that's a binding deal. We can't back out of it. We can't say, well, actually, can we just get a, a pen back and <laughs> sure. uh, change that nine to an eight? You can't. Like, so – you have to put in an aggressive but plausible bid. Yeah. And I think at some point next week, so after Easter, is when I think you might see those second bids due, uh, somewhere in the in that mid-April range. Mm-hmm. And then I think it'll take about 10 days, two weeks for the NHL to really sift through everything and say, okay, this is where we're going. Okay. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked end of April there's a conditional sale. Do you think – Coming with that, as we move sort of back onto the hockey side now, you know, everybody assumes, we don't know, but everybody assumes new ownership comes in, they want their own people in charge. Like how long does it take, if you're the conditional owner, you couldn't come in necessarily, I wouldn't expect, and change management or whatever. No. Is Dorian going to handle the draft and free agency again this year, you know, in your Uh, opinion? Well, I mean, based on the current timelines, if they don't get to a board of governor approval vote of which they need 75% of the board to approve. Yeah. If you don't get to that by the, somehow have an emergency meeting, which they can, I believe they can have. Sure. Uh, if you don't get that done by June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, somewhere in that neighborhood, then yes, I would say well, that this current regime and would, even then, would June run the- third, you're going to, punt everyone out the door and then host the draft two weeks, three weeks, not host, but go to the draft well, three weeks. So here's later. the interesting thing on the draft for Ottawa, and, and it could be neither here nor there. They don't have a pick they till the fourth round. Yes. <laughs> they don't have the pick till the fourth round. Yeah. So the idea that they need to sort of study this draft with the right. kind of scrutiny that you know maybe they would have in 2020 when they had three first round picks, I think is a little bit uh, far-fetched. I, but, but I think you want to have a clear vision in place. Idea, like the new season starts July 1st, right? Yeah. Like, 
free agency, all mm-hmm. that. You'd like to have everything in place by then. So if you're going to have a new coach, a new general manager, whatever, that has to be done well in advance of that. So I'm going to back it up by a month and say if you're not at a place where you have everything in, you know, kind of done by June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, then I think this current regime does get to survive at least the opening of free agency right. and the draft. And then, you know, with a new ownership group, though, all bets are off. Sure. Uh, looking around some of the rest of the league then. Yeah. We got about, you know, 10 days left, a little more than that in the season. Maybe a little less than that, actually. Um, what storylines still have your attention for the most part? The East here, there's a couple teams in the mix. The West looked like it was settled about a week ago, and now it's not. It's pure again. chaos. Yeah. Um, what do you got your eye on? You know, what's what's uh, got your attention when you're not watching the Sens? Well, I think the Western race is the fact that you look at the Central Division, and really there's basically no separation amongst mini Dallas, Colorado. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Then you look at the Pacific, and there's no separation amongst Vegas, Edmonton, L.A., I think it's extremely important you try and win those respective divisions, you know, because as much as we talk about Tampa, Toronto, or New Jersey uh, Rangers in the yep. East, the two three matchups in the West are not going to be a walk in the park. I think you're if you win the if you win a division in the West, you're you going to say Seattle, to yourself, we could get Seattle, yeah. we could get this inconsistent Winnipeg team, we could get this kind of again inconsistent Calgary team, mm-hmm. right? I I I think so. That, to me, is compelling. And then I want to see if Connor McDavid can get the 70 goals. And I know it's a bit of a stretch, uh, but I I, I want to see him do it. (laughs) I, uh, you know, the fact that he's going to bust, you know, 150 points is remarkable. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see him try to get the 70 goals. Let's assume, I mean, Toronto, Tampa are locked in. I think Jersey can still catch Carolina. They can, but it it sure feels like Rangers, Devils. Yeah. Those two... Games, Toronto and Tampa and New York, New Jersey are on at the same time and you've lost your remote. You've you flipped one on and then someone's taking the remote away from you. Okay. Which of those two series are you more interested in? Um, I, I still think it's Toronto, Tampa. Yeah. And, and and it's terrible to say because I think uh, I think New Jersey, New York has the potential to could uh, be an all timer. Be a great rivalry. Yeah. And you know, you think about uh, ninety four when they met in the Eastern Final that went to seven games in an overtime and it produced one of the great moments, I think, in New York sports history with the Mateau goal. Yeah. Um the, you know, and then and they met again in twenty twelve when Adam Henrique scored. It was not a game seven, but it was a game six, and that, that put the devils in the cup. And, the memory on you, man. It, you know, no, but it's just it it there, there's been these great moments. Moments between the Devils and Rangers in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you think, okay, this is going to be great. You got the upstart Devils, you've got the the, the Rangers who've kind of been there mm-hmm. a little bit with this group. And now they've added uh, Tarasenko and Kane, Kane and yeah. you know all this stuff. But there's something so compelling about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I don't say this in with, with any degree of um, uh, smarm or cynicism. <laughs> I just think I, I and maybe there's a we- really weird part of me. That sees so much of the early 2000s sends in these Leafs, yeah. where you just you have a great team mm-hmm. and they're so good for so long, and you just keep running into the same problem, which is you can't get out of round one. And you know, for, at some point, it, it did break out for Ottawa, and yep. they did get to a Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. But but it was a team that deserved and should have had a lot more success. And that's how I look at Toronto. And I think I, I think they've built I look, I'm a big Kyle Dubas fan. Yeah. I, I like what he's built there. I think it's just so interesting that they're gonna have to get Tampa again. They're gonna probably get a seventh game at home again. And they're gonna have to figure out uh the the way I look at it is this. I think 
clearly the the, the Lightning have a goaltender advantage, mm-hmm. and I think we we can say to some degree. I look at this and I say Tampa is starting that series with a one nothing lead, just based on Vasilevsky. At some point yeah. in the best of seven, Andre Vasilevsky will steal you a game. It's so true. I look at this and say. Let's just pretend we're going to game two. It's one nothing Tampa. Yeah, that's the way Toronto fans should look at this. Vazzy's going to steal one game, mm-hmm. so I, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I think I think this is the year that Toronto does get over that hump. Um, like Tampa's sort of struggled down that, th- but it just sort of feels like that group is one. All right, it's time to go right, and nobody flicks a switch except Tampa can flick a switch. Right, <laughs> like it's sort of, and I do think. It'll be compelling again. I'm not suggesting Tampa flicks the switch and just blows Toronto away. I just, I'm not buying that what we've seen out of the last month or so out of Tampa is what will happen in the playoffs. It just sort of feels like that group knows, you know. Well, they turned it around a little bit now in the last week or so. They've been better. But, you know, they've had some absolute, they got, they got, they got waxed in Ottawa a couple of weeks ago, seven to two. Um, You know, they, they, look. The Tampa Lightning deserve all the credit. They are the three-time mm-hmm. defending Eastern Conference champions. And until somebody says otherwise, I think you need to treat them with the, the utmost respect. Until, until, until somebody takes that title away, yeah. it's theirs. But they're vulnerable. Yeah. Like, in a way that we didn't that. see them last year being vulnerable. And they've traded a lot of their picks and they've gotten... Yeah, the cap know, just wears away at you at, over the years. You right? know, the Tanner Janos and the Brandon Hagels and the Nick Pauls and they're... And they're Trust me, those are really good players. Yes. But it's not as good of a team as they were when they had Yanni Gord and they had uh, uh Andre Palat. Yeah. And even, you know, to some extent, you know, Tyler Johnson sure. was in that mix. And and it's just it's not the same group. Chicago fans will tell you how hard it was after, you know, you win those cups and that then final cup Buff- they had three defensemen. Lad had to go <laughs> yeah, and Bufflin had to go. Yeah. And like you just you, you, you the depth changed. The depth has changed in Tampa. It's funny after that Tanner Janot trade to Tampa, uh, you know, someone referencing back to the Nick Paul trade last year. Yeah, you know, was sarcastically saying, "Oh, Tampa, I don't know. That's an awful lot to give up for somebody who's going to score two goals against Toronto in Game Seven, <laughs> right? Like, it just seems it's, to be they find the guys. They, they make, find the guy. They, Julian like Breezebois, like knows Nick what did he's last doing. year. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to me. I, we had Hoffley in here, Chris Hoffley from uh, Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group hosted the, the Monday morning show with me. And we were talking to him about this this whole thing. And maybe it's irrelevant now because Matt Murray is hurt again. But Matt Murray's numbers being better on the road and Samsonov's being way better at home, like 18, 2 and 2 Split at the time or something. And I said, would you ever be crazy? Like, is it just noise or would you ever be crazy enough to go, okay, game one and two are Samsonov's, game three and four are Murray's? You know, if you go back and look at, I, I want to say Edmonton's first Stanley Cup in the 80s, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, like, and I don't know if it was because of injury or what, but like Grant Fuhr and Andy Moog split some games, like, right? Even in the final. Yeah. Like, they were, like, I think Andy Moog was the goalie that was in goal when they clinched uh, the cup itself. It wasn't Grant Fuhr. And, you know, a little bit in history we've seen, I think Carolina in 02 when they went to the cup final, uh, I think it was Arthur Zerbe yes. and Kevin Weeks that that, that kind of That's right. uh, had a little bit of a... Uh, I do remember Arthur Zerbe in his gray, worn out pads yeah. beating the Leafs in and, the conference final. You know, yeah. you, the odd time, it's, it's certainly not the rule, but you've seen the odd time where there's been a bit of a goalie carousel, but, but within a series... But never it's very rare to see. No, exactly. <laughs> it's very rare to say you would see goalie changes 
due to anything other than injury or right. poor performance. Right. What you're suggesting is changing goalies based on location. Yes. It seems weird. He does. <laughs> so, um, Ian, I really appreciate you coming in, man. I, I, I went back and yeah. I looked it up, and uh, it had been October 21 was the last time you were in here. So I was going to say, I didn't even know, have I been in here since the pandemic? Yeah, just the once. Kind of right when we were first opening things back up, you helped us uh, helped us do that. It was October of 2021. So, wow. um, yeah, it had been a minute, but, uh, you know, we've tried to do it a couple times. You're a busy man. I, you happen, know, it's right? just, it's been... Nuts lately, and I apologize because I no, kind of ducked out on you a week or two ago. But uh, things happen. I said I got I got to make sure I get back in here. Right, and we made sure to line up some Mendez Speed beers. Mendez Speed, the the Michelob Ultra. Yeah, that's hopefully. right. And uh, you know what? If it if it goes too long, and I can't get you in here again, I at least now know I have the AI voice who could co-host with me. Totally. Should you not be available? There you go. Just you got to work a little bit on. Some of the phrasing, yeah, whatever, a little bit but of the dialect, yeah, yeah, be close enough. I appreciate it, Ian. Thank oh, you so much. My man. pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me. We'll uh, we'll put Ian's uh, social handles in the uh, in the show notes. Although I'm sure you all already know where to find him. His work is, of course, in the Athletic. Um, we'll wind this one down here. Don't forget Thursday morning, Dan Schulman will be here talking Blue Jays. And on Good Friday, Michaela Schreider will be in here. We'll talk all about the Women's World Hockey Championships and ah, Michaela's always down for a, a beer or two. She doesn't need the Mendez beard. <laughs> speed once so uh we'll get to that with her as well so stick around make sure you subscribe to the podcast with that all wrapped up my name is matt robinson thank you so much for listening and we'll see you all next time what was that number one bullshit oh number one bullshit why are you so pissy